RPC Radio. Radio. Hello, you're listening to Insurance Covered. Welcome to the podcast that covers anything and everything to do with insurance. Coming up in this episode. So you can see when you get to know and understand a business, how much better you can support it in that journey. We don't have to have conversations about, oh, you know your product X, what does it do? Because we know, because we help develop that product. My name is Peter Mansfield. I'm a partner in the law firm RPC. And in each episode, I'm joined by a guest and we discuss an aspect of the wonderful world of insurance. And this week we have Sarah Ager and we're going to discuss the role of the consultant in insurance. Sarah has a wonderfully varied background, starting out as a personal injury and clinical negligence lawyer in private practice, but then moving to Catlin as a claims manager. In 2007, she became the corporate operations officer at Torbert before moving on in 2012 to the broker Gallagher, where she was director of governance and risk. Since 2016, though, she's been involved in a whole host of ventures, including being general counsel for the Insuring Women's Futures programme. And in 2019, she founded, and she is currently CEO of, GreenKite, which provides consultancy services to the insurance world, which is what we're going to discuss today. So, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, morning. Thanks so much for inviting me along, Peter. And we're going to be discussing kind of the role of the the consultant uh, within the insurance world. And um, I suppose first we need to sort of, you know, so people can visualise all of like a a corporate tree or whatever, the kind of precisely where consultants fit within the insurance world, because, um, you know, on this podcast and generally, people tend to think of insurance in terms of the contractual chain. Um, that links insurer to insured. So, so you have insurers and then intermediaries such as brokers, MGAs, and, and so on. And then, uh, and then you have insureds. So, but but consultants aren't on that contractual line. They're they're off to the side somewhere. So, so what 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 tends to be the role of consultants? And in very very general terms, on what sort of issues do do consultants consult? So. So you're absolutely right. Um, Consultants are fortunate, I suppose, in that they can work alongside any of those organisations you've just outlined within the insurance space. Um, And actually, warts and all become in all shapes and sizes. So consultants can can range from anything from the sole practitioner or or contractor or the likes of Deloitte's and PwC, the huge big four that we all know and, and love and enjoy working with. And I think the the use of consultants will depend on the size of the firm who are seeking the services. So if you're a small firm or you're just in a startup or scale-up position, you might look to a consultancy practice to support you on some of the more expensive or technical areas to run your business. So for instance, not the front end arm, but you might get a general counsel in on a part-time basis or a a head of compliance in on a part-time basis. Uh, And if you're a larger firm, then the role of the consultancy is more broad and encompassing. So it's more likely to be a C-suite advisor, or you might be brought in to provide quality assurance or to check that decisions made by the board and processes run out by the management and the exec are in line with market peers. And in your previous roles, you you presumably dealt with a lot of consultants. So what, in general terms, what was your experience of them? How how was the experience for you? 
Yes. Sometimes a great experience, other times less great. And actually, um, I thought you might ask me this question. And I spoke to some of my um, my peers in the market and, and they agreed with, with my experiences. And we all thought that actually the experience you have by engaging a consultancy really depends on the upfront work that both sides do and setting out scope, expectations, deliverables on both sides, and also making sure that you find the right consultancy practice that suits both the size of your firm, the ambition of your firm, but also the culture of your firm, I think is key to to having a a successful partnership. What what are the the elements of, of that partnership but that kind of distinguishes kind of the good consultants from from the not so good ones uh, i mean the, the the way the way you're talking you think actually the, the consultants should come in as as servants rather than leaders is, is that one way to express it well i think you'll have a bad experience if that's how you engage your consultants actually okay a true partnership is a, an arrangement where each is on the same level and knows what the other expects of it it's not a case of the consultant rock up and uh, just roll in and give in to whatever the business want, because actually if you are given true advice, you should be able to support and challenge the business that you're supporting while delivering what you bring to them. But equally, you are there to cause friction as a consultant and you definitely shouldn't be involved in the politics within the organisation. And that, I think, if you if you can play that game well as a consultant, then you will su- you will succeed and deliver and get both the business and the exec and management teams on your side, which is key and pivotal to, li- to delivery. Okay, and, and in 2019, um, you helped launch uh, GreenKite. Um, so th- why did you do that? Why did you believe that there was a kind of space in the market for another consultant? So GreenKite came into being from a collection, a small number of us who had had fairly long established careers within insurance. We'd either sat on boards or executive teams and actually we'd had lots of exposure to and had worked alongside a number of consultancy practices. Now, obviously I can only speak from my personal experience, but often that was frustrating for all the reasons I've kind of highlighted already. So, I thought that there must be a better way to provide consultancy that added true value to a firm. So by collecting together a group of individuals who already knew the whole of the insurance cycle um, across the board and from, from a diverse number of skill sets, I felt that we could go in and truly guide and help businesses grow um, whilst giving them the freedom to run the BAU process where we helped change, transform, and actually support their business to deliver um, what they were looking to do. The BAU process. Business as usual. So so quite a lot of the use of consultants, in my experience, is becomes necessary because the business is so busy and the resources of the business are so tied up in keeping the wheels turning, doing what we have to do on a day-to-day basis, that actually the change, be that regulatory strategic direction is on is put on the side of our desk and we're supposed to do that as well as our day job and the reality is that's impossible because something has to give so i'm not suggesting that consultants should be purely 
responsible for projects for strategic change and direction, but actually having them do quite a lot of the groundwork and supported by appropriate people across the business, it could be a good way of achieving both the BAU and the, and the future direction. Okay, and, and Green Kite, as I mentioned, started in, in 2019, uh, so we're three years on from there, which have been I think slightly traumatic uh, years uh, for a number of reasons. Um, How's it going? Well, so far so good. Uh, You're absolutely right. Uh, Launching in October 2019 probably wouldn't have been what I planned to do um, had I had the benefit of hindsight. Um, But actually, we have some amazing clients. We're getting involved in some really interesting projects and we are starting to help the market gain traction, particularly in the space of delegated authority. I also think COVID was actually beneficial to to a degree. Um, Greenkite was always premised on the idea of remote working. So COVID actually gave us an opportunity for the whole of the insurance industries to go, oh, shoot, yes, that does actually work. We don't necessarily need people in the office from nine till five. They can work remotely. They can provide support 24-7. And it doesn't have to be within the, the, the remit of EC3. Now, three years on, we do actually have offices ourselves. And a lot of our time is spent in the city. But we do offer our clients the opportunity to both sit within their offices, sit within our offices, but also have remote remote work done, which allows us to provide a much fuller service that I think fits in with their requirements and timelines. On your website, you you split your services into kind of five separate sections, which are uh, delegated authority, uh, operational resilience, uh, data and digital, outsourced services and services for technology suppliers. So could you talk us through how that works? Are, 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 they, are, are they nicely compartmentalised areas or, or are they a little bit more kind of uh, overlapping areas? So when we pulled Green Kite together, what we wanted to make sure is that we could provide support that ran across businesses firm-wide rather than in dis- distinct function areas and that was definitely one of our ambitions and intentions so we segmented our business in the areas that we felt were important within the insurance industry at the moment and for the future but actually we built our team around being able to offer this blended service if you like so we bring in even to a small firm a team of diversely skilled individuals so within green kite we have operations experts people who used to be coos or heads of operations we have compliance officers heads of compliance we have risk we have quality assurance we have bas we have a whole skill base within our team so that we can actually provide those services since we set up and launched we have become increasingly known in the delegated authority space and that is a deliberate ambition of ours a number of our teams have either supported through working in in Lloyd's managing agencies or indeed sat on boards like myself of MGA businesses so we understand the delegated authority model Uh, and let's be fair the delegated authority model is cumbersome for a number of reasons so there's lots of space and area for business improvements So our diverse and smaller teams going in and looking at firms' delegated authority models has been seen of benefit and use. So we have segmented all our services on on the website 
to help clients to understand where our areas of expertise are. But actually, quite often, if you were to involve us on a resilience project, you would find that naturally, when we look at operational resilience, includes regulatory requirements to ensure that the firm is operationally resilient and is backed up by data and digital services that support and help you understand how the resilience of the business is formed and actually monitored on an ongoing basis. So they aren't artificial separations, but you will see when you come to Green Kite that we won't put you into a box. We'll try and fully look at your business and make recommendations for its smoother running. Okay, it's fascinating listening to you because in my mind, possibly because of my own background, as I say, consultants are kind of splash and dash to use a a Formula One reference. They're they're in, they do a bit, they're out. Whereas what you're discussing is something far more integrated than that. So so let's say, for example, that I've just set up an MGA um, and it's going well, um, but it's got to the point now where I'm slightly... I'm feeling a little bit out of my depth. So if I come to you, uh, if I come to Green Kite, you've already mentioned that you you sit on the board of an MGA or two or more. Um, So in very practical terms, what sort of things could Green Kite offer to me as as a startup MGA that is is going all right, but is is at that kind of awkward phase where I, I need to grow, but I don't know how to do it? So if you came to us, depending on where you were in your regulatory development, or phasing, we could help you apply to become regulated, but equally, we can help you from a compliance perspective. However, actually, when you're small, you don't just need a head of compliance, do you? We would say that actually, if that compliance person can also help you with your corporate governance, your risk registers, your risk management, and actually move your business to its next strategic level from a regulatory perspective, then that's what you'd be looking for. And so that's the kind of blended services we offer, and we do that already. So at the moment, if I was to choose one of our clients, we've been working alongside one of our clients. Well, actually, I used to work for them before, but they've been working with us since our launch. So I've known this business for six or seven years. They've just got a a great round of funding. They're a super business. They've got lots of ambition. They're culturally aligned. But now, actually, some of the big players are really taking notice of what they can do and can bring. And when I mean big players, I'm saying it's the likes of the affinity partnerships that we all sought to have when we were an MGA business. But now it's all done through embedded insurance placements or working alongside banking finance partners. So we've been supporting this client for a while, as I say, from a legal and compliance perspective. However, they now have 40 plus people that work for them. So now they're looking to us and we're helping them from a a people and employment point of view. They're now having contractual relationships with far more complicated businesses. So they involve due diligence and outsourcing arrangements, which are far more complex. So we're supporting them on their DD. Um, We're taking to the next level because they have plans and intentions to expand their service offerings. They now have 12 products, not just the two that they launched with. And so you can see when you get to know and understand a business, how much better you can support it in that journey. 
We don't have to have conversations about, oh, you know your product X, what does it do? Because we know, because Green Kite already know, because we helped develop that product. We don't know the ins and outs of how they do everything within their business. Absolutely not. But actually, when they want to lean on someone from a technical point of view, we can step back in and be a true business partner and support them on the next stage. So that's what we're endeavouring to do with a smaller or smaller end MGAs. And we've got a number of those that we support in the, in a similar kind of vein. And obviously you, you personally have a, a broad-based uh, background, as I mentioned in, in the introduction, um, but clearly you don't know everything about everything. Um, and I, I know that your chair is, is uh, Karen Graves, um, who's a previous guest on the podcast, indeed you know, a, friend, a friend of the show. Um, but how many other people um, are in Green Kite at the moment? How many people are you working alongside? And, and, and to what extent do your, your colleagues complement your own personal skills? So we probably, we have between 20 and 25 people engaged at any one time at the moment. So we're still small, um, but growing by the quarter on quarter, which is all I can hope as the CEO. The key and pivotal part of the Green Kite team is that we have all lived and breathed and worked in insurance for 10 years plus. For better or worse, that makes us experts in our field, so to speak. And we always make sure that there is someone with ultimate oversight and the skill to to take those people forward. Having said that, we don't cover everything within Green Kite. So we stay firmly away from um, technical underwriting. Um, We can help you with claims process and claims assurance, but we don't have any claims technicians. So we don't adjust claims either. We currently don't actually have any true IT people. So in the sense, we can help your IT architecture from a business perspective, but we won't deal with your IT queries and and, and quibbles. So, so we stay well away from there. We also don't have any actuaries on our team, although we've got a strong collaboration with a smaller um, actuarial service that, that helps us with some of our MGA businesses. So we know what we don't do. And I think that's, That's very important. As a consultancy, we need to make sure that we are skilled and experts in what we say we can do. So if people come to us and ask us for support in areas that we aren't familiar with or we don't understand, then then don't worry. We're we're sure to say that, uh, sorry, this one isn't for us, but we know a man who might. And how do you assess whether you do actually add value to the, the businesses that you work with? Because... Uh, this is perhaps me just being being a cynical lawyer, um, but my experience of consultants is often that they they come in, provide a bit of advice, everyone nods, the consultants leave, and nothing really changes. So, uh, how do you make sure that that doesn't happen? Obviously, being properly integrated is one of one way which you've already talked about. Um, but how do you make sure that you do actually add value? So we don't just report and run. That's no use to any business. So we are definitely sleeves up, delivery focused consultants. So we will provide you assurance that what you're doing is right. But actually, if it's not right, then we'll roll up our sleeves and help you prove it. So so a similar kind of exercise happened. We we were required to do a a GDPR and, and data review for a client because they just had a new injection of cash and their VCs wanted to make sure that their their investment was secure. We could have just done a report and said, yes, there's some holes here, here, here and here. Um, In fact, we did the report. We made the rectifications and bolstered some of their processes and procedures. And we also 
tested them for them, then we could go back with the report and also to the VCs with a clean bill of health showing what had been done. And, and that's what we prefer to do rather than leaving firms in the lurch. So that's what we like to be able to do. So I think you're right. that The collaboration part is really critical to us. We would like to say as a consultancy, we're an extension to your business, working alongside, but also with you. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's coming across very clearly is that that phrase that you just used then was kind of extension to the business. And that seems, if, if one was going to define your view of insurance consultancy, it's that, it's you are an extension to the business. Do consultants need to specialise? Do you think it's important that consultants know the <laughs> consultant, know your limits kind of and... Uh, so I think you're right. Consultants, the individual does need to know their limits. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't develop and extend their experiences, but consultancy practices need to be skillful enough to bring those people's skills together to get the best for their client. And I think that's where the difference between a successful consultancy and an unsuccessful consultancy lie. If you can recognise the different skills needed to deliver for the client and bring those people together and those diverse skill sets together, then you will be onto a winner for your client. But absolutely, if you put one person in and say they can do everything, then you will fail as a consultancy. Because I think you're right, one needs to know uh, and be comfortable providing advice and support in one's area of expertise. The the, the next question um, I had, I, I think we're, we're the, the, I think I know what the answer is going to be to it. But I, <laughs> so, so, that so, predictable. <laughs> well, no, we'll find out in a moment. But um, the, the question that I had was, is there a danger that consultants can lose touch with the real world? But actually, w- what you're saying is, no, 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 you, you, your role as a consultant is to be in the real world. It is to be there in the business, experiencing the problems that the business has to deal with. And therefore, the solutions that you come up with are not uh, academic ivory tower solutions, um, but are very practical solutions that have worked previously and will work again. Is that a fair analysis? Yeah, I think it is fair, Peter, but I, I, I think your opening line was was important and pertinent, is that in that consultants can lose touch with the real world. So actually it's essential for any person who wants to be a consultant to make sure that they continue to develop their skill set, attend training courses, work with and alongside live businesses, make sure that they surround themselves by experts in the market so they can actually still give real and proper advice to clients. And and how do you see the the consultancy world within insurance developing over the next kind of five five or ten years, do you think? I don't think you're going to get rid of us, Peter. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, I, so I think the use of consultants will continue. I think there will be a greater emphasis on the use of consultants or additional resource, let's call it resource, wherever that might be, to deliver on strategic initiatives and, and particularly regulatory change and development. I think that will be essential. I would hope, wouldn't I, that firms would be and are more open to using diverse consultancies, bespoke professional consultancies like GreenKite, um, not always turn into the big four for that breadth of service. I think there are a number of us springing up now. So we are just as a small consultancy as we are 
all um, offering just one single service. I think that's a good thing. It makes for an open market and a choice for the customers and clients. I also think if consultants continue to be a feature of the ongoing market, there does need to be greater control and constraints put put around both the spend and their deliverables. Um, I think all too often firms are less constrained around external resource than they are sometimes around their own internal resource, which is hard to understand, but a a reality of the world that we find ourselves in. Um, And I think, you know, being a consultancy that's seen to be forward-looking and progressive to take firms along the journey or work with the firm on their journey to development is somewhere where we definitely want to be. And I think consultancies will continue to kind of focus. Yeah. I, I mean, as we've been speaking, I've been thinking, oh yeah, no, I, actually I can, I can visualize now where consultants kind of fit in. And actually over the next few years, the expectation is that there will be more MGAs. There will be more, a lot more startups, insure techs, um, and the whatever, all, all of whom will be relatively small and will need to be kind of introduced to the insurance world and will need to be brought in with the regulatory side of it, the, the accounting side of it, um, and, and so on and so forth. So, so it seems to me actually that the role of, of the consultant is going to, if anything, is going to increase over the next few years, particularly with ESG and, and the fact that uh, on the environmental side of things particularly, there's going to need to be creativity uh, amongst in, in the insurance world to come up with new products and that that will lead to new MGAs. So, yeah, it feels kind of based on, on what we've been discussing today is though that the, the future for consultants and hopefully for Green Kite uh, is going to be up and up. That's exactly um, where I foresee, you know, good consultancies will thrive and prosper and they will have long partnerships with their clients. Those who are less able to deliver or develop that partnership or collaboration with the clients in the markets, unfortunately, will fall by the wayside. But maybe they were the people that didn't value the clients or the resources or the um, intellectual property that we all gain during our working careers as much as some of us do. I, I, I don't know, but I think your your prediction is pretty aligned to my own. Excellent. And uh, finally, Sarah, um... What bit of advice would you give to someone who's thinking about entering the insurance world? Maybe a a reluctant 18-year-old. How how would you sell insurance to them? The good thing about insurance is it's it's somewhere where you can come with any level of qualification still or any level of skill and area of expertise and interest and find a fulfilling career. You can join from university with a geography degree um, and have a very, very successful career in underwriting. You can come in with a maths degree and you'll end up as an actuary or a finance person or even kind of supporting the processing in a delegated platform. You can come and you can meet interesting people. You work alongside interesting people and you have the scope and the opportunity to work in very different businesses within the insurance space. You've mentioned a few MGAs, brokers, insurers, and you can work alongside and support them like lawyers, accountants and consultancies. So um, there's a whole host of opportunity. We just need to make sure that we harness and attract those people to keep joining to make it a vibrant community still in the future brilliant thank you so that was absolutely wonderful thank you so much for your time
RPC Radio. Radio. Thank you so much for listening to Insurance Covered, which is an RPC production made possible by Joe Burgess and Mary Mitchell. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will also love our other podcasts, Taxing Matters and Money Covered, plus The Fix, which is co-hosted by my colleague Kelly Thompson. If you want to be a guest on Insurance Covered, please email me at peter.mansfield at rpc.co.uk. Thank you, and I hope you have a great day.